Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Friday, Lori and Julia show. My talk one of seven one. Everything entertainment. Thank you for joining us. Lori is off today. Holly is here. Today will be your final opportunity to win tickets to see uh, Sarah Bareilles next Wednesday at the XL Energy Center. We'll give you a final chance to. Play guess the celebrity voice, but uh, we've already got another giveaway planned for next week. Julia, maybe you don't even know about this. We're going to give away tickets next week to Steel Magnolia. I know that's going to be. I'm excited about that. Seeing that it's going to be at the Guthrie starting at the end of this month, I think through November. But Mm -hmm. yeah, we're giving away those next week. Okay. Big stuff. Mm -hmm. Big, big, big stuff. Okay, so it's International uh, Girls' Day. Yay! And it was really cute because Meghan Markle shared a really up beat kind of message for people about we're going to listen to it but also um when she did this um she also posted her 1993 appearance as 11 year old on a nickelodeon news program where she fought against sexist advertising it's so cute she's so young it's very darling donnie do you have the audio i'm looking at the look on your face well i was waiting for my email to open up okay Okay. (laughs) well she was on nick news back in the day she's been in the spotlight forever yes and i remember that show growing up it was hosted by linda ellerby and she linda ellerby yes and that was like oh when kids got to go on those nickelodeon shows and do things like that be just like yeah so megan markle the fact that she did this back in the day is so cool she's very cute very cute all right here we go all right we're going to start with Meghan Markle. The Duchess of Sussex is marking International Day of the Girl with a post on Instagram featuring a throwback video of her as a child and some encouraging words for young women all around the world. It is said that girls with dreams become women with vision. If you see something that you don't like or offended by on, tel- on television or any other place, write letters and send them to the right people, and you can really make a difference for not just yourself, but lots of other people. So to each one of you, keep asking questions, keep pushing forward, keep shining brightly. Know your worth, and know that we are behind you every step of the way. Very nice. that? Oh, that little lovely. voice was her as a younger girl. She sounds so cute. Oh. Okay, so it is happening today. What? Um, what, what? It's get, what? It got cold. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, it did. Yeah. I yeah. think every, everybody recovered last night. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean? Yeah, we know. Now the rain is solid. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, the snow. snow. <laughs> the yes. snow indicator on my car came on today. There's a blinking. Mine too. 
I was just like, I got a little snowflake same. online. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. All right. Yeah. Well, that is going to be happening. There's a lot of good things to do this weekend around the Twin Cities. A lot of haunted houses. Oh, do you go into those haunted hay rides? I went to the salt factory with my brother about. I don't know, two years ago, maybe. I used to love going to the one. Um, of course, I can't remember it, but that was in Maplewood with my kids. Um, loved it. I always had to go first. Oh, there's something always. down in the South Metro. I think I went a long time ago, but any kind of scary haunted house, I just. Uh, uh, really? And I think the Valley Scare is supposed to be really fun. Yeah. The haunted basement at Rosedale is new. That's supposed uh, to be fun. You don't like that? Yeah, I just. I do the thing where I try to figure out what they're doing. So then I'm not like actually scared by it, but I'm like, okay, person, ghost, Frankenstein, you're hiding around the corner and I know what's going to happen. So you just got to just apply logic. Yes, I am. And so it's flawed because you got to give yourself to the experience of going into the haunted house. You have to wear your depends just to make sure. (laughs) You have to be ready. You have to be ready. That's never happened to me. I've never pooped or peed my pants going through a haunted house. But there's time. There's time. I'm still a young spring chicken. Donnie, do you like to do any of that? Uh, not particularly, no. No, <laughs> yeah, I've never been to I a haunted house. lots of great things to do this weekend. Guys, you I'm like not, scary uh, movies. I do like scary movies. They don't scare me particularly. Very few of them have, but I do. Uh, I, I'll have one during Friday picks that I'm going to recommend. That's oh, you are? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. Yeah. Um, later in the hour, I'm kind of excited about this. Donnie made it happen. So um, this woman, Eve Rodsky, was on Good Morning America, and I swear, was it Monday or Tuesday, Donnie? I can't remember. Uh, I'm not she sure. Has, I think it was Tuesday. Yeah, she has a new, and we listened to her audio because it's um, a game-changing solution for when you have too much to do for couples to divvy up the chores. Ah. And it's called Fair Play. She's going to be at Barnes & Noble on the 15th, which is next Tuesday, I think? Uh, I yes. I gotta yes. look at my calendar. Yeah. Um, but she's going to be on our show talking about her new book today. At, at, a little later in this hour, We've got cerebrellus tickets to give away. I feel like we should do it right now, Donnie. Oh, oh. let's just do it. Oh, we oh, never oh, do it whoa, right whoa. away. Right hey. off the bat for you, right three o'clock. Let's second. do it for the people who are in the car only <laughs> for 10 minutes today. <laughs> oh, oh so, there it is. Oh, and so what, it, it. what you're going to win is we've got tickets to the cerebrellus um, concert, which is Wednesday at the Excel, um, October 16th. And so you have to guess the celebrity voice. And then the first caller who guesses it, Here we go. I've been working for many, many years on working to end violence against women and girls. It's an issue that's super close to my heart. And I learned recently about financial abuse. So financial abuse is when an abuser uses destroying a woman's credit or um, access to transportation to get to work. I know who it is. You do? Yeah. Look at my paper. Okay. Yeah. Now that's who it is. It's impressive. Yeah. That, okay. <laughs> that is very impressive because I'm like, oh, who is yeah, I that? Know who it is. Oh. I know what it is. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. You can so. you can guess that. You know. Um, so it happened this morning. Um, Ronan Farrell was on with Good Morning America with George Stephanopoulos with his Catch and Kill uh, book. Yes. And uh, it's pretty interesting. So we're going to listen to that, but we'll just uh, wait for a second for Donnie to get through these uh, these calls. <laughs> or maybe he can do it on the break. We'll see. Well, well why don't we see. see on the other side of the break who guessed the celebrity voice correctly? Mm-hmm. Julia has a hint. 
I have no bloody idea who that is. <laughs> so, I and I hope that somebody on the horn knows who that celebrity voice is, and they're going to I Sarah Bareilles. Donnie, let's take a quick break. I'm sorry, what? Let's take a quick break while you get the winner. Or did you uh, already get it? No, no, didn't get one All right, yet. So we'll catch it on the other side. Okay. We'll be right back. It's Lori and Julia. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Friday. Lori has a day off. Holly's sitting in. Um, before the break, we played Guess the Celebrity Voice, so we don't want to leave you hanging in the car if you're wondering who it was. So here was the voice. Oh, we are going to play the voice. Oh, just play it. Oh, okay. I, oh. I got it right here. Here we go. Here's the voice. I've been working for many, many years on... Working to end violence against women and girls. It's an issue that's super close to my heart. All right, there we go. Ellen and Afton, tell us, who is that? That is Carrie Washington. Yes. Ellen and Afton, you're right. Who are you going to take to Sarah Bareilles? I'll probably make my husband go with me. That'll be nice. Make him. (laughs) He's really good. Yes, she is. And I love it that you're going to make him, but it'll be fun date night. I know. I love her. So thank you very much. Oh, well, you're welcome. Thanks, Ellen. Have a good weekend. Absolutely. Thank you, too. Okay. We are going to switch gears now because um, we've been waiting for the Ronan Farrell interview that happened this morning on Good Morning America. And um, it's all about his Catch and Kill book, which is coming out next Tuesday, the 15th, I believe. Yes. And George Snuffleupagus did very well sitting down with Ronan. And I just... You know, about Ronan Farrell, he really was so integral in getting the Me Too movement, which started in 2006, really making it go viral, making it make a change and a difference in the workplace and in women's lives around the globe. Mm -hmm. And so he's something. So here he is kind of talking about there was a whole setup about the book and everything about his, you know, pub. Pulitzer winning piece that was published in 2017 in the New Yorker. But here he's going to talk about Matt Lauer's denial. Let's start out with that denial from Matt Lauer. He uh, detailed an angry denial. He calls your story categorically false, that this was a consensual affair. The accusation of rape is defamatory designed to sell a book. And obviously in the book, we include his exact thinking without violating any ground rules. We had very strict rules about what we could reveal about what conversations we had with many of the sources in the book. Uh, The thinking of every person against whom a serious allegation is made is fully represented. Did you talk to Matt Lauer? There's nothing new there. Again, I can't answer specific questions about that, but I can say that Matt Lauer's thinking that's presented in this letter is in the book. And I think this young woman, this journalist, Brooke Nevels, presents what I found to be a persuasive response to that. The facts of her case, which are backed by documentation and eyewitnesses, suggest that there was an encounter here that she consistently has described as non-consensual. And she says regardless of what happened before and after that, and how he interpreted that, she said no to a physical act. So if he or his allies were to say that you didn't fact-check those claims? Extensively fact-checked, as with everything in this book. Hmm. And and he really was careful. I mean, Donnie, you listened to the whole thing about yeah, it. Yeah, is this mm-hmm. is this next cut about how NBC handled the situation? It talking is. about there were seven five uh, yes, Okay, yes, right. Yes, so yeah. this is all about NBC. Okay, Let, let's go into and then how NBC handled this as well. They say they first learned about this in November 2017. Matt was fired. We just saw that within 24 hours. Here's what Andy Lack said: Any suggestion that we knew prior to that evening or tried to cover up any aspect of Lauer's conduct is absolutely false and offensive. And that they're saying they they did something as soon as they knew. 
So this is an important point, George. Uh, this is not what the reporting in the book suggests. We spent several years reporting this out, extensively fact-checking it. Uh, what we show in this book, with a paper trail, with documents, is that there were multiple secret settlements and non-disclosures being struck with women at NBC News. But those were after the fact, weren't they, the two non-disclosures? Nope. Years before, over a period of six to seven years, a period in which NBC had previously On denied hour? any settlements. There were seven non-disclosure agreements, multiple ones of those were with Matt Lauer accusers. This is years before this incident with Brooke Nevels and the firing. And, and, and I spoke to senior executives who were told about those earlier incidents. With Matt Lauer? Indeed. They definitely know. So when they say this, the first they heard about any allegations about Matt Lauer were after the fact, were after November two, 2017? I'll let the facts in the book speak for themselves, but I think that is difficult to believe when you look at the documents and records. Hmm. So there's there's the receipts. I mean, so yes. seriously. So Matt Lauer had multiple charges against him, and then you know you have Noah Oppenheimer and Andy Lack, the heads of the NBC News division, saying, "Well, the minute we found out, we did something about it." So you can see why they had this heated in exchange with the anchors and the workers of NBC on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. About you guys knew all this, and you are such liars to us for two years. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and interestingly enough, when Ronan Farrow was talking to George Stephanopoulos there, he said multiple ones of those were with Matt Lauer accusers. What that reads to me is that there are other people working mm-hmm. within NBC News who are in these non-disclosure agreement type settlements, and we don't know necessarily who those people are. Now, I don't know if they're going to be named in this Ronan Farrow book. But I guess we'll have to see. Right. This book is going to be a really, really good book, I think. Um, Danny, let's just skip to cut number four. All righty. Number four. Let's see where it four. Okay. Here it is. This is, uh, oh, the Harvey Weinstein. Okay. Mm-hmm. Clear. The other big allegation in the book, NBC prevented you from finishing your reporting on Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Andy Lack says this is a fundamentally untrue picture. Noah Oppenheim, I'd have to write my own book to refute all the ways Ronan willfully distorts our interactions. Their basic point is they assigned you the story, but you didn't come back with one that met their standards, including an on-the-record accusation. Look, I'm confident in the reporting in the book. I'll let it stand on its own. But the point here is not that we did indeed have multiple named women in every draft of this story. We did indeed have a taped confession from Harvey Weinstein. Uh, The point is that they ordered a hard stop to reporting. They told me and a producer working on this that we should not take a single call. They told us to cancel interviews. The question for years has been why? Because every journalist at that institution didn't understand why. And I think the book answers that question. This was a company with a lot of secrets. Is their point, is their point bolstered by the fact that it took you, what, another seven weeks to get this story in shape for the New Yorker? That's inaccurate. We lay out the timeline in the book. It was briefer than that. There was actually a very brief period of about a month where the New Yorker greenlit This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. 
Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The story and then got it out as quickly as humanly possible. But the argument has never been that the story had no room to grow, that there couldn't be additional reporting. It's that they halted reporting. And this book explains why. I mean, isn't that so? It, it just, I mean... It, Ronan Farrow has stopped. the receipts and he knows what he has. And he's so smart yeah. and he's so methodical. I mean, he's so smart, you know, and he's an attorney and he knows how to do it all and yes. all the, the legwork that he has done on this. But literally, they gave him the story to do initially and said to go after it mm-hmm. and then said stop immediately. Right. So they sent him on this mission. Yeah. And again, Matt Lauer sent him a um a text congratulating him after the new yorker story ran about harvey weinstein oh. ah, he said let me ronan it's matt lauer let me be the 567th person to say congratulations on your amazing piece exclamation mark little did he know that's what we call hiding in plain sight yeah nobody suspects the butterfly like bart simpson said there you go here's now um weinstein blackmailing nbc harvey well that is the big question why i mean you lay out the suggestion that Harvey Weinstein was blackmailing NBC News. Multiple sources do say that, and the way in which that's framed is very careful. All of NBC's denials are in this book. We fact-checked for many hours with them. That said, it is indisputable, based on the evidence in this book, that there was a chain of secret settlements at this company that were covered up with victims of harassment and assault. Some of them about Lauer, some about others in the company. This was a pattern. It was concealed from journalists there. And George, that's bigger than NBC. It's bigger than these executives. These are not highly public figures. The reason this reporting was important is because this is a pattern in media, in law, in politics. Institutions that conceal abuse of this type let people get hurt. And that's something we should all care about. Did they allow it because they were afraid information about Matt Lauer was going to get out? That is what the extensive conversations, transcripts, and documents presented in this book suggest. Hmm. So George kind of asked twice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All these about Matt Lauer? Yeah. Did they, was it about Matt Lauer? I mean, he he's good. I, I just think this book is something, but it's such an amazing story and how it has changed workplaces for so many people. Well, right. And There's pre-Me Too and post, you know, yeah. the story. Yeah, and well, and thinking about Ronan Farrow saying that, like, this is, this is such a bigger issue. It's an indictment mm-hmm. of power in all sorts of areas of civic life. I mean, in the media, in politics, in industry, in all of these places. And that now people are being called out for it. And interestingly, and good that he noted that these settlements were being kept secret from journalists at NBC News. So That's why they were so angry. Yeah. You guys have been doing this for how long? Right. So yesterday you were with us at the time, Holly. Um, Lori and I were talking with Donnie about how many people are going to get fired from NBC which is owned by Comcast. Yes. Um, we said one, Donnie said two, and I bet Noah Oppenheimer gets fired. He's the head of it all, and he wrote 
a terrible letter. He ran the boys' club, and then Andy left. Mm, those two, I bet they're out. All right. Well, we so shall we'll see. see. But anyway, um, I can't wait to read this book. Out Tuesday. Yes. All right. When we come back, holograms. Are they a good thing or a bad thing for a concert? We'll What's find the out. Deal? Oh no. <laughs> All right, got to give you the bad news as regards the weather. It is what it is. Uh, for tonight, a chance of rain and snow and snow showers. 32 will be the load tonight. Tomorrow, that rain and snow mix will continue. A balmy 37 for your Saturday high. And then zooming up to 41 on Sunday. Right now, it's uh, overcast and 41 at my time. All right. Yeah, that's, that's okay. That's happening. Say. I'm that's glad happening. that I never even removed the snow Joe and the scraper from the back of my car all summer. Oh, you're set. <sighs> okay. Yep. I I cut yep. down all my flowers. I took care of everything. Every I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we talked about um this hologram performances. A lot of it came up with Prince and the Super Bowl and the Prince after shortly after Prince died, the celebration. Do you include a hologram of Prince? What do we do about it? Yeah. And then um we have seen at um Madonna. She did that she hologram. She did the hologram thing. Yep. And the big one was at Coachella. Where um, Snoop had Tupac yes. um, up on the big screen with him. So here's what's going on. Uh-huh. Buddy Holly and Roy Orbison are two traveling hologram tours. And we also heard about an upcoming Whitney Houston yeah. traveling yes, hologram right, yeah. tour. So let me just give you a couple details, okay? Please. So there's two different hologram companies that are doing this. They're called Eye Illusion. And the other one is called Base hologram and they're um they've had some success with doing a hologram concert they did the bizarre world of frank zappa he died in 1993 so they did a hologram tour in small venues with him where he came out played a guitar adjusted his shirt wiggled his mustache the audio was from an uncirculated 1974 live recording people after they got used to it, said it was amazing. It was well done. The show sold out. The rest of the tour sold out as much as $125 a ticket. People said initially you're freaked out about it. You're thinking you're going to see a movie, but it wasn't. Yeah. And there was a band with him and everything. So, so did now, they understand what they were getting themselves into? Like, I'm oh, going to yeah. go and I'm going to watch this hologram. Right. And so here's what the owners of these two companies are saying is that... um the technology is giving them a huge amount of freedom. They can have people walk on the stage, do different things, interact with the band members. And this guy who's doing the Roy Orbison hologram tour said it played in London recently. People were dancing in the aisles. Um, 15% of the audience was made up of kids. They were having so much fun. Um, the Buddy Holly states that they were originally skeptical about his hologram going on tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he died so young, a lot of people oh, never got to see him perform. 20s, yeah. Well, nobody r- really got to see him perform. Right. A very small amount of people. And so now they're just saying um, it's 
it's cool. We're excited to create this new entertainment experience. And so this is kind of happening. Um, Dionne Warwick described the Whitney Houston upcoming hologram tour as stupid. As only Dionne would say. Yeah, she could, uh, Miss yeah. Happy Go Lucky. And Amy Winehouse, ex-husband Blake, yeah. uh, oh, decried her upcoming um, tour as a money-making gimmick. Well... Yeah, well, right. I, what yeah, else would these be? It, but no, some Mitch, people huh? have said it's really an amazing uh, tour. Uh, okay. Um that people like it. The people who went said they like it. They thought it was great. They didn't get a lot of negative comments. They were thankful that they brought him back and you can experience it. I mean, the Whitney Houston one is going to be like um singers, tons of singers, son, tons of dancers, tons of things touring with her with her up on a big screen, and it's yeah. not like watching a movie. Mm. Okay. You guys I, are skeptical. Has yeah. anyone seen a hologram tour? 651-641-1071. I feel like the... Ho- so I'm looking at the hologram of Buddy Holly. That's on the base hologram website. They're the company that's touring Buddy Holly mm-hmm. and Roy Orbison holograms around the country. And it doesn't... The thing that I'm skeptical about is that it doesn't look... It's not Buddy Holly. It's a guy impersonating Buddy Holly, but it's not an actual guy impersonating Buddy Holly. It's just a hologram of a guy impersonating Buddy Holly. Oh, so I completely don't... misunderstood that. So no, but that's what it looks like, Donnie. Oh, uh, that's so what is it... it or is it not Buddy Holly? Well, it it is Buddy Holly, but she says it looks so fake, like a yeah. guy impersonating. Oh, yeah, and it's okay. like here's a guy impersonating Buddy Holly. All right, but like you'd have to look at it for yourself. And I suppose, like, oh, I mean, I hate to say it, with like Buddy Holly and Roy Orbison, where's where's the fan base for these guys anymore? Oh, Roy Orbison would be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, well they but wouldn't you know, do this. They wouldn't go out on these tours if people weren't going to go see them. I, well, here's the deal. Maybe we're going to have to do a little bit of homework. And I don't know if I'm going to be the one to do the homework. But maybe somebody out there is open to going to see the Roy Orbison and Buddy Holly Rock and Ro- no, Roll I Dream. Think... It's coming here. It's I coming know. here next That's week. That's why we're talking about yeah, it. Yeah, on Thursday. <laughs> I know. Next Thursday? Yeah, this yes. is coming Thursday. Oh, it's coming here. It's coming Mystic here. Lake? At Mystic Lake. October yes. 17th. There's still seats available for this. Okay. But I'd be fascinated to see. Now, this seems like that this goes in the realm of Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Uh, okay, oh. but no, all right, fine. Okay. Being but, that but, it's a novelty and that you sure. go to Madame Tussauds because it's a kitschy novelty. So this is in the realm of kitschy novelty. Okay. I, uh, yeah, uh, but I think <laughs> if the sound was good and it's really them singing, Donnie, did anyone, has anyone uh, in the world okay, seen tr- one? Tracy has not seen one, but she'd love to see one with whom, Tracy? Tracy, you- who do you want to see? I would love to see Elvis in concert. See, an all right, Elvis there hologram. you go. You would. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he died when I was young, but I can only imagine how incredible his concerts and the energy of one of his concerts must have had. That would be amazing. Because I, I think that's an interesting one. Lori would go with you, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but can't you watch those date. on video? <laughs> but you can watch them on TV, but that's different, Daddy. This oh, is a right. huge person okay. up on screen right, with a right. good sound. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for your call. Thanks, Tracy. I Thank was you. trying to think of who I'd want to see. Yeah, who do you want to see? I mean, don't you think it would be cool to see John Lennon? It would be awkward. I couldn't. Well, this it. is all awkward. You have to get. You have to yeah, get that's past true. It's all awkward. You just awkward. have to get yeah. past no. the hologram awkwardness. Right. You know they do this traveling dinosaur show 
with holograms that you have to suspend. I saw it, Why? I swear. It's a little different. Well, but I mean, they look like real. Huh. I mean, you could say that this is a dinosaur traveling exhibit coming to us I don't, very I soon. I think there might be some... So you'd I, have uh, Paul and uh, Ringo performing with George and John. Oh, I get so much secondhand embarrassment thinking you know, about that. Uh, make, so, it's uh, making me hot just thinking about it. So if somebody's going to be doing a hologram, so if we are hypothesizing who we want to see via a hologram. It has to be somebody who is kitschy and over the top. At some point in time, there was speculation that there would be a Liberace hologram floating right. around. Mm. That would be okay. Yeah. Because it would be, in and of itself, just opulent, over the top, kitschy, weird anyways. So it will lend itself to that. I'm going to be curious. It, whoever's okay. going to Mystic Lake, I want to know about it. Okay, give us a call after Yes, because I want, I think it could be really interesting. I mean, people like it, and people... It's another way for estates of these past musicians who have passed to make some money. But it here's is. who's not into it. Okay. Dionne um, Warwick? <laughs> yes, sir. Well, she's not into it. It's yeah. stupid. <laughs> Jeff Jample, who manages the estates of Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Johnny Lee Hooker, and the Ramones, is equally just unimpressed. He saw the Orbison hologram last year and says, while well, he applauds the estate for taking a risk, the music was phenomenal. There were empty seats. And he didn't think that the hologram of Ray Orbison felt like it moved too much. It was too stiff. Yeah, but think of what they do with the green screen these days with technology and people can be... Think about your Star Wars well, stuff. Can I just say That's, something? Yeah. Roy Orbison, it, it's not fair to criticize Roy Orbison for being too stiff because you ever... If you, he never moved. He never moved anyway. He stood with a microphone on the stand with the dark him. glasses yeah. on because he had an eye problem. Right. <laughs> So he's not going to move. Okay, but think of your people traveling around in all the Star Wars movies, Holly. Yeah, but I'm not going to a hologram of them. But I mean, it's kind of... I just... I'm thinking... Would you go to a hologram Star Wars play? What? No! I'm just throwing it out there, because that's going to be coming. I mean, mean, that's called Disney World, essentially. Uh, Disney World is on the road. Yeah. That's what we're experiencing here. I'm just... the. Roy Orbison, a person who is noted for not moving on stage, is the subject of a hologram experience where you go. Oh, I mean, yeah, I just, he just stood there. All right, then we're going to move on. Okay, oh, but Julie, I so do think you, it's, you I, think it's the wave of the future. I don't you think know. That I it's think like, that this is another opportunity and possibility. If someone, I mean, well, it's another way to make money, is what you're saying. Well, well but besides yeah. that, I think it would be kind of. I'm open to the experience, is what I'm saying. All right. oh, I could I, be open. I'm open. Like, I never saw Tom Petty. Uh huh. So you, I never saw Tom Petty. I'd love to see Tom Petty. Do you think that it would be weird though to see the facsimile of Tom Petty? Of like, it would fill? Would it, do you think that it would fill that void in you? It's not, not a void. Him? First of all. <laughs> It's not even a crack. Oh, so, so you don't even care that you didn't no, see Tom Petty? I, I would I'm like to, you. though. Okay. At some point in time, all right, I want to tell you what you are going to be able to see. Please. Lovely. Don't stop till you get enough. Uh, the King of Pop, Michael Jackson's um, bio musical, MJ the Musical, is going to make its way to Broadway the summer of 2020. Um, after the late King of Pop's 1979 hit, previews are going to begin July 6th with the opening August 13th. And next summer, it's choreographed and directed by Christopher Wheeldon. Um, they cover all the milestones and achievements, his hits throughout his 20s and 30s. It will feature Jackson's catalog of hits 
And uh, the book is done by two-time Pulitzer winner Lynn Nottage. Does it feature a hologram of Michael Jackson? I, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. But I hope only one Michael tells the story. Oh, unlike oh, the show. Could you? Okay. See, what would be kind of funny is Michael Jackson with the bigger nose, then this next nose. Oh, you're I'm, just so I'm so mean. Turning, <laughs> you're so mean. You know. Um, you know. Okay. Yeah. And his 17th, the last person doesn't have a nose. That's so mean. That was so mean. Wow. Elton John's, wow. you know what? Here's, the, here's the thing, Julia. Elton John's writing about oh, we that gotta very go. thing. we got to take a break. Yeah. We've got this author. Great. Stay with us. So you're a tough I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. And we know you're going to be here. I need to give a shout out next Tuesday night. You're going to be at um, the Edina Barnes and Noble at seven o'clock p.m. Um, your yes, book is, I will. We're excited. Hopefully, the snow will melt by then. But you know, <laughs> this book came out of I have no time for myself. This career and having these kids and working isn't what it cut cut out to be. And um, it just kind of struck me when you were driving. Just had a baby. We're picking up another kid. We're <laughs> pulled over the side of the road to, you know, look at your speech or whatever you were editing. And your husband sent you a tech that you didn't get blueberries. What's up with you? Yeah, that's it. You totally got it. That's exactly. And I always say that to my husband. Thank God he sent me a text that said, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. Because maybe I wouldn't have written this book. So I'm so happy you sent me that text. He was good to do that. <laughs> So this is a big thing for, I think, a lot of, of people out there. Um, and I remember when my kids were young, the tit-for-tat scoring with my ex, you know, I did this, you yeah. don't do as much, that kind of yeah. thing going on. So how, what is it about fair play that's so unique and different? Well, I like to say that everything you need to know about fair play, you can learn from mustard. And what I mean by that is somebody has to know your second son, Johnny, only eats yellow mustard with his protein because he likes to dip yellow mustard on his protein. That's what I call conception. Then somebody actually has to write mustard on a list with other groceries that you're getting for the week. I call that planning. And then someone actually has to get their butt to the store to get the mustard. That's execution. And that's where men step in often. And that's a problem because ultimately they're bringing home the spicy Dijon instead of the yellow and then men all over this country were telling me, because I interviewed over 500 people for this book, men and women, men are telling me they can't get anything right, that they go to the store for their wives, but they're always bringing home the wrong thing. And women are saying to me, how can I trust my husband with my medical decisions or my living will when I can't even trust him with the, to buy the right type of mustard? Right. It's, it's, so yes, that's, that's so fair true. Play. Fair play is about ownership. Because the trust spiral that we go through when men don't buy the mustard, the right type of mustard, is that women take on more and they become what I call the sheep parents. 
the default for everything, the default for all child care and household tasks, we're still doing two-thirds of what it takes to run a home and family, regardless of whether we work outside the home. That's what the statistics are for women around this country. It's it's pretty amazing. I, you know, I went through your book last night, and um, it's got such great advice, but you, when you talk about it, when the man or the partner, whoever it is, comes in at yes, the execution. Yes, couples too. Yes, yes. Exactly. Whoever's coming in at execution, exactly. It, when you come in at that stage, so much work has already gone in already. And the invisible work mm-hmm. that women and the unpaid work and the anxiety and the time people spend up front. Um, how, do you, how do you get started even? <laughs> I mean, like, if, well, yeah. if you're in a relationship right now and you feel like you're doing more than your partner and your partner feels like they're doing more than you, how do you even sit down to even start? I love that question because a lot of women were saying to me all over this country, I can't have a conversation about domestic life with my husband. They were really scared. But the same one woman said that to me. And 20 minutes later in my interview, she admitted that she's dumping wet clothes on her husband's pillow if he forgets to put them in the dryer. <laughs> so, so then, then you, say, you don't like passive aggressiveness? I, yeah. Well, I'm driving on the side of the road over blueberries. Um, people are dumping clothes. I, there's another woman who started an Instagram account called the four-letter S-word. I'll call it stuff on the air. Stuff I don't, my husband doesn't pick up. And she's publicly shaming him, but telling me she doesn't want to have a conversation. So what I want to first say is that I'm asking people not to have a communication start but a communication shift. And I think when I said that, a lot of women were more likely to be willing to engage their partner in these conversations. The second thing is I give you all the tools in Fair Play to have those conversations, including downloadable cards at fairplaylife.com so that you can actually play the game. I give you all the instructions. And I promise you it's easy and fun. It's even easier than Monopoly, and it takes way less time than we're all spending on Instagram and Facebook and other things that we're doing. It, it kind of amazed me because the, the concept is is that you have a hundred different counts that basically cover absolutely everything to do with caregiving. You have the magic, the wild, the out, yes. out of town. I mean, you talk about things like, um, you know, who's going to buy the gifts? Who's going to pack? Who's going to unpack? Who's going to um, do the holiday cards? Mm-hmm. I mean, down to such detail of things that kind of have traditionally on, fell on one person or the other. That seem like they're mindless, but they take time. Or that they are categorized as invisible. It is. They take time. And so I wrote down in a spreadsheet called The Stuff I Do. Um, I I started with a spreadsheet, and I realized lists alone don't work, but systems do. But you still have to be aware of all the invisible work that goes into every single card. And like you said, there's 100 cards in the Fair Play game, the Big Reserve game, in the middle of the book. And they represent every single thing that you and your partner will hold to run a home and raise a family. It, it's thorough. It's thorough. But you also talk about women and men, you know, taking back their, um, you know, their lives, reclaiming your yeah. right to be fun or interesting. Interesting. Yes. That was a big deal. I call that unicorn space because it's based on the, like the mythical equine. You know, it's beautiful. People love unicorns, but it, they don't freaking exist. Yes. Unless mm-hmm. we reclaim them. Create, we have to create this magical space for ourselves. Like, and it can start really small. Like, I have a woman who told me that she read the book and she always loved to bake. And so her dream is to enter a pie 
in a competition, and she wants to use rhubarb because it's a hard ingredient. So I don't know about rhubarb, but I guess it's not that easy to work with. So she keeps sending me these really adorable pictures of her different pies as she's getting better baking her pies. I have men all over the country telling me about things that they're doing, like woodworking or getting back to run a triathlon. We deserve to be more than just parents and partners and workers. And so, but I always found saying, find your passion to be so condescending to women. Because who has time to find a passion when you're holding all the cards? Mm -hmm. And so it has to be the context of domestic rebalance. Otherwise, it's just another shaming thing that women have to do. It's so, you're so right on. And then you, but your book, it really just details out every, everything possible. I think when you talk about a communication shift, it is weird that you're in a couple and you do everything together and you've given birth together or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yet you can't just say, we needed to talk, you know? (laughs) You're so worried about doing that because I think in relationships, so many times, each partner thinks they're doing so much. Right. Right. And so it becomes a situation where, you know, you're, you're building resentment, but you're not communicating. And so everything is about communication. Everything is about communication. And so I'm asking women not to dump wet clothes on their, their husband's pillows or to publicly shame them in, with Instagram accounts. I give you even the paperless posts uh, because ultimately fair play started as a love letter to women but it ended as a love letter to men. I have some great new house off the press data of the hundreds of emails that I'm receiving at info at Eve Rodsky since the book came out seven days ago, and they're skewing 70% male. Really? Men, men want to live in houses where they, they're not mad, where they don't feel like they don't have the right to own part of their household, they don't know their role. And women have, a, have the right to have mental relief. And that's really what the ownership model around fair play does. When you're owning the full mustard situation, everything changes. I, and it doesn't have to be 50-50. It just has to start with one card. Yeah, just I one. just think it's a pretty amazing. And people are going to be delighted to see you when I um, next Tuesday night at Barnes & Noble in Edina. The book is Fair Play. This is Eve Rodsky. And Eve, I know you've been talking and talking and talking and talking. Um, your book is just great. Too bad I don't have small kids and a husband. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. you. I have a lot of women who are going to the next partnership, the new boyfriend, saying I'm not going to repeat the same pattern. No, you're right. right I I agree 100% because it's so easy to do. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Okay. Take care. Donnie, do we have any books to give away? Oh, he's put me on hold. Donnie just put me on hold. You got put on hold, Julia. I'm sorry. Now everyone's going on hold because we got to Donnie, do we have any books to give away? 